Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God! Deep to right field, way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. What is going on? We're live today on YouTube. Happy Easter to those who celebrate. I'm Mike. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube youtube.com slash at gte fantasy and subscribe today we are going to dive right into some stuff from this week some pictures i really i really find interesting some playing time concerns some rookies that are you know off to slow or starts like just some underlying numbers it's very early but we're trying to get an idea of how these players are playing so without wasting too much time we're gonna get right into it but first we're gonna talk about two uh pieces of news i didn't get a chance to really recap yesterday's stuff yet so a couple things that i obviously did make note of though the dodgers manager dave roberts he told reporters saturday that he's going to that evan phillips is pretty much going to be the closer so that's just worth mentioning because obviously the Dodgers closing situation was kind of a question. Phillips was kind of the popular target along with Gratterall, but I think it looks like it's going to be Phillips moving forward. And then you have Austin Meadows stepping away due to mental health issues. I believe this is the second time this has occurred. So good, good for him to go get checked out, get this figured out and all that. Matt Veerling should be who steps into the spot, especially against righties against lefties. He already had a role, but Veerling's also been playing against more righties of late. And now there's a clear path to that relevance. So let's dive right into the first thing is Jose Siri injured, right? So he's on the IL. Strong start was really in on him, especially for the start. But we ha- let's look at the righty. So I pulled this up, already changed it up from righties. And Manuel Margot got the first start yesterday in center against the righty. Previously, he had one start out of the first three against righties. So Manuel Margot appears to be that one who is in a favorable situation to gain playing time here. Other than that, uh, Luis Garcia's... Uh, yesterday and it's been an ongoing trend with Luis Garcia his velocity is down a little bit if you look at his velocity on the uh on the fastball it's down about a tick and a half mile one one and a half miles per hour this and this you know a little bit of mix going on a little slight more slider usage he's dropping the curveball usage early on it's kind of weird he's getting hit hard he, he's allowing too many fly balls 
normally he's um his ground ball rate is a little higher right now it's where is it oh, i forgot to write it down it was like in the 20 percent range here it is 29 percent. 29 percent compared to usually being in the mid to upper 30s he's just he's getting hit hard and the ball is getting put in the air and it's doing damage so luis garcia is a guy that is kind of struggling right now can't drop him or anything but just something to watch out for and look it's all blue because that's what people care about guy who's pitching today you say kikuchi coming off a strong start the velocity was up as you can see here quite a bit the velocity to be exact was a plus 1.9 miles per hour on the slider plus 1.3 um plus 1.3 miles per hour on the four seam averaging about 96 a little over 96 miles per hour and then change up plus 2.6 miles per hour which secondaries velocity going up is not as big of a deal we want to see more of a movement change there but we get to see him today on sunday before you have to make any decisions in free agency just a guy and just a guy that's like, let's watch. I mean, he started doing, he sh again, he showed flashes last spring. He showed flashes at times before. It's just one of those things that <sighs> Kikuchi is just, I feel like it's fool's gold. However, we are, it's just, we are keeping an eye on it. Because what if, what if, you know, the what if? You just <laughs> never know with him. Uh, a guy that everyone already rosters, but just something to keep in mind and something I like to uh, look at here is Shane McClanahan. A little bit of a pitch mix change early on. Um, and the velo's up, which is good because, you know, he ended the year hurt last year. So McClanahan up almost a full mile per hour on the four seam. The, again, the changeup and curve are also up. However, uh, the, the pitch mix change is what is more intriguing to me. He's leaning more on fastballs, as you can see here, 50% of the time compared to 35 last year. Again, it's early on, and the secondaries obviously take a hit in the process. So he's going fastball heavy. It is working. The fastball is, you know, not it's being rather effective, which we've seen it be effective in the past. It's getting quite the whiff rate for fastball. I know the Rays have had a pretty easy go in the schedule early on, but still something that's like, wow, there could be more here for Shane McClanahan. Or it should be one of those things like, hey, he's healthy. McClanahan's performing. Be encouraged. A guy that people are down on and you just need to be patient here is going to be Aaron Nola. Nola, he's another guy. The velo's kind of down early, but I'm not really concerned. You have a little bit of a pitch mix change as well. Again, a couple starts. He's it's been some bad weather involved, but we're talking a little bit like a, mile, a little over mile power on the fastball, uh, 1.8 on the sinker, which you're seeing the sinker being utilized seven percent less of the time. Maybe maybe it's, he doesn't have a feel for it yet. He is throwing his secondaries a bit um, a bit less as well. Well, the curveball's fine, but the changeup. Uh, change up uh, sorry the changeup is being thrown more a little bit you see if you're watching you're seeing me just fumble through these right here but my point is it's a very small change not something that's gonna i think it's gonna end up being closer to what we saw last year anyway for nola but the velo is kind of the concern and i'd be more so I, i'm not too worried about that again and then against the yankees even though it wasn't the best outing he still put up a 34 percent csw rate 30 percent is kind of what you're aiming for in a start so nola's last start wasn't even bad and he only has a 43 percent left on base percentage you know that's going to correct itself. League average is usually like mid 70s. And Nola is a guy that's going to get that up. That defense isn't bad enough to be overly concerned. And a streamer pitcher question you should check out SP Streamer for sure. Um, Garrett, why am I blanking on the Garrett? Garrett, Garrett, Garrett. Okay. So the pitching question is for those listening to the podcast it's um, pick two of Lugo, Oviedo. Not, we're not streaming Oviedo. He looked awful last outing. Crawford versus Detroit. I know that's a good one. I'm taking that one. And Garrett, let me see the Garrett, 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 Garrett. Who am I? Why can't I think of who Garrett? Oh, Braxton Garrett. Oh, the Mets have been hitting the Marlins hard. Pete's on a, on a roll right now. Um, I'm probably gonna go Lugo, Lugos. Oh no, 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 uh, Braves. Um, if I had to pick between facing the Braves, facing the Mets, I'm gonna take facing the Mets right now. So I guess Garrett, but I'm not confident. I do like I do like Crawford a lot today, though. It's a great matchup. Detroit hasn't been able to hit 
anything. Crawford actually didn't look bad in his last outing either. It was just a matter of getting like he just left one too many pitches over this over the heart of the plate. Uh, but a former Mar speaking of the Marlins, a former Marlin, we have Pablo Lopez, which again, I'm just kind of utilizing a tweet here because it's easy. We can even pull up the pitch mix here. So with Pablo Lopez, the velo remained up, which is really important here. You can see the the it's almost a full two miles per hour, which is great. And you look at this pitch mix change. He not only is he utilizing a new sweeper, but he's utilizing it the second most of any pitch. And he's utilizing three, four pitches at least 15% of the time compared to last year, really heavily relying on two pitches. He's almost a brand new pitcher. He's getting he's getting a lot of whiffs on his pitches early on, too. And, and hitters are gonna have to adapt, of course, and they will. However, what we see, there's a lot to like here from what we're seeing in this in this profile for for uh, Lopez. So I'm really liking if you got him great if you didn't you're like me and you're kind of like upset but hopefully you hit on other pitchers in that range mitch uh mitch keller mitch keller is interesting too we should probably talk about him another time but brad keller i put brad keller is dot 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 interesting question mark uh in the in my notes here i don't know i mean we, we're seeing a complete revamp of the arsenal he added a sweeper Keller is throwing at least three, uh, at least four pitches, 16% of the time with the sweeper being just under 10%. He is utilizing the sweeper mostly against righties as well as the slider and the slider is getting a 42.9% whiff rate. He has zero whiffs on the sweeper so far, but maybe the slider and the sweeper, maybe they're being um, mislabeled because they are throwing about the same amount, uh, the same miles per hour. And they're both considered new pitches for him. Oh, no, sorry. The slider was utilized heavy, heavily last year at 36.2%. The sweeper's the new pitch. The slider's a big dip in the usage, but effectiveness. And I think there was a movement change on the slider, which would make sense if he's able to utilize the slider as much as uh, – no, there wasn't. Was there? Uh, yes, there was. There was more uh, a lot more horizontal movement on the slider. The slider has uh, about six more inches of horizontal movement on it compared to last year. And that's a huge change in profile. And that could explain if is he throwing it. I think he's throwing it uh, slower, actually. Remember, I can just look right here, I guess. I thought I wrote in my notes. My notes are all over the place today. Yes, the slider is a little bit. Sometimes when you take some, uh, when you take a, a secondary and you drop the velo on it, it's usually to add movement. And that's what's happening here. And that movement profile, it probably differs from the sweeper now. And that's what gives it the whiff ability it has. I don't know if whiff ability is a word, but it is a word I'm using now. Uh, uh, we are not chasing chad cool in colorado i'm sorry i refuse to stream any picture in colorado sorry that was another question we just got in the chat again if you're listening to the podcast you can take part in these chats at the youtube channel and don't forget to subscribe while you're there it's greatly appreciated moving on to we're, we're trying to run through these today i got a lot of stuff to talk about uh we have chapman obviously got a save he's he's been the setup man for barlow to this point though barlow got a save um Chapman looks great. If he took over as a closer, if Barlow struggles, it wouldn't surprise me. If he factors in versus a tough lefty spot, it wouldn't surprise me. And Chapman should be traded to a contender to probably close. So he's a guy that if you're looking for some saves along the way, he'll get them as well as um, as well as uh, get traded probably to, into a safe situation. So we have that. Uh, the next guy I want to talk about here, we're going to look at this right here, and it's going to be Hunter Green. I tweeted this one, so it's not a huge surprise. But Hunter Green, just something to pay attention to early on here is the uh, fact that as of yesterday, this is obviously not updated through uh, yesterday's starts, but entering yesterday, Hunter Green had the 47.6% hard hit rate, which was the 13th highest in baseball amongst qualifying pitchers. Again, two to three starts, two starts for most people, maybe three starts as of today, but uh, has the lowest ground ball rate of all of them. So again, he's too many hard hits fly balls and a very Homer friendly park. That park is not going to do him favors. He's he is 
strictly holding on to two pitches right now. And that's not always going to play up. Now, the stuff itself is great. He was leading the league in stuff plus yesterday, which is a great indicator of how good the actual stuff is for Hunter Green. The issue is his location. He also is like, I think it was like a 15% walk rate, I believe. Uh, so it's one of those things where he's not locating well. It's getting crushed and leaning so heavily on a fastball, all as good as it might be. We've seen it also be very hittable. If it gets too straight, hitters can get on top of it. The velo is great, 100 plus miles per hour from a starter. Amazing. But that doesn't matter if you're leaving it over the meat of the plate. It doesn't matter. Velocity it doesn't help if the ball has no movement. A straight fastball is going to get crushed because hitters can hit a straight fastball regardless of how fast it goes. So it's just one of those things. Keep that in mind. Keep an eye on Hunter Green. I'm sure he. I mean, he has the potential to bounce back. That's not even a question. It's just a matter of will he. Jordan Walker hit another home run yesterday, and the reason why he's uh, being brought up today. Oh, I actually skipped the player altogether. We'll go back to them in a second. It's another pitcher. But uh, Jordan Walker, the reason why I'm bringing him up is because two home runs, 18% strikeout rate, great. Obviously, high bad, but that's not going to sustain, although Walker has the plus speed, plus pop. We know he can hit for power, hit for speed, uh, run, run. that's not a problem. No walks, so he's obviously being aggressive at the plate, and we'll get into that shortly. Strong start. No one's really complaining, but there are some red flags. I guess, the, you know, he has one barrel. He has two home runs. Only one was barreled. I believe that was yesterday because that was actually my notes before I updated them this morning. Jordan Walker had no barrels. So he's obviously crushed 60% hard hit rate. He's hitting a ton of balls, but the issue is he's hitting them on the ground. Look, 64% ground ball rate. I don't care how good you are. If you're hitting a ground, a ball, the ground, if you have a 60% ground ball rate, you are not going to succeed at the major league level. He is getting by for now. And when he hits the ball in the air, it does, it can go out of the yard any given moment. However, be aware that if this doesn't improve, he's going to go through some hot, cold stretches without a doubt. Also, more red flags. And again, very early, we're talking elite talent in general. I'm not concerned. I'm just bringing up things that we need to monitor moving forward with him. And one of those things being the contact rate is okay, it's above average, great. But the swing strike rate, really really above average but not in a good way and then he's chasing he's very aggressive early on and he's not making great contact on those players on those uh balls he's chasing so jordan walker sure he's making great zone contact but overall contact 69 percent league average is 75 and a half percent uh the o swing i know for again those who are watching i'm giving i'm actually showing you on the screen but listening i, got, I have to give you the numbers the o swing percentage is over 10 it's what 12 13 above league average right now and again in a bad way and the swing strike rate is about five percent above league average in a bad way sorry six percent uh not in the ways you want and that's just one of those things that you're getting these starting to get concerned you're starting to you should be not concerned but it's one of those things that you put this you write this down you, you pay attention to where it goes from here we had another question in the chat who do you say was the leader for the Dodgers? Oh, sorry, Evan Phillips. Evan Phillips, he's the one who got the job. He's the one who got the close, the save last night. And and that's who Dave Roberts told reporters on Saturday that Evan Phillips would be utilizing the ninth more often than the rest of the club's relievers, a.k.a. he's the closer is how I read that. Thank you for the question, Tyler. Uh, we have to go back to one of these guys. That's, I think, something we need to just discuss because I don't think the underlying numbers are necessarily showing just how uh, bad he's been or lucky, whichever we want to look at it. But maybe there's better days ahead, but he really has to get his control here. Jack Flaherty, he's walking the yard. I mean, he's, where is it? The, the walks, I think it was like 13 walks in 10 innings right now. That is ridiculous. And when, I know he deals with injuries and all that stuff. The 1.7 whip. That is crazy. He's coming off a 1.6 whip last year, too. So it's not like it's just a one-time issue. But so the good for him, the good for Flaherty here is that we're there. Right? 
down. Here we go. The good for Flaherty is the Velo was back up last start, which is great. You got the Velo back in line with last year. We'd like to see that, the velocity. I mean, it's not going to show here because I think it's going to show the average velocity on the year. But last year, the velocity was in line with his 2022 uh, production. However, six more walks from his last start. So that is 13 walks in, 10 innings pitched. And somehow only two earned runs. One of them was just like a ton of stranded walker, stranded uh, baseman from the, the – Blue Jays, I was watching that start, and he couldn't hit the zone, but he had like a no-hitter through six at the same time. The hitters just weren't picking him up for some reason. So it's one of those things where it's kind of like maybe not terrible. Let's, let's look up his fan graphs. I actually look, I like fan graphs better for certain things. So we'll get an idea, a, a better idea of how this is going to go for him. Um, clarity. And also like on the fly, kind of show a like, quick glance of what I look at. You have obviously strand rate stupid high again it goes back to how lucky he was the ground balls are encouraging he's keeping that's another thing you want to limit damage you're going to limit it by keeping the ball on the ground not not a single home run allowed yet which again just feels like very lucky obviously he's going to allow home runs even last year 11.8 percent would still be a good rate all things considered but that's that he's due it look the bad was 167 he's due for some serious regression and he has a negative 13.3 k minus walk rate that is <laughs> come on i gotta tell you how terrible that is uh the, the all the underlying ratios are telling you like he's stupid lucky right now and stupid lucky is a term we're going to use he's not generating a whole lot of uh he's just generating a whole lot of like ground ball slash and he's just getting out of jams it's crazy the plate discipline we're gonna put league averages here and uh below average swinging strike rate right now Oh, sorry, no. Yeah, way below, way below average swing strike rate, 8.5% compared to 11.4%. Uh, 31.8% is the average O swing, which is Chase's, basically. He, his is 17.5%. He is just getting by. I don't know how he's doing it, uh, but Flaherty is just having an ugly, ugly go at to start off the season, somehow not showing it in the numbers that matter for fantasy purposes, even has a win. So, yeah, I, he's a guy that I wouldn't be streaming. I don't care. I mean, it has to be like Detroit, and even then, I don't like the idea of having to stream Flaherty, but yet people are going to start him with confidence because of those surface numbers, which which are uh, it's a trap. Get out, get out while you can. So Flaherty, we talked about. Let's move on to Torkelson. That's a guy I want to talk about, Spencer Torkelson. So Torque, just I mean, look, okay, cool. The strikeouts haven't been there. He's bad, bad at block. We we know we know he has power potential and this year he's kind of, and we, we saw the power kind of showing out in spring and look you see the hard hit rates already up over 10 percent from last year so he's and the barrels are about in line i mean only two barrels but eight percent he was 8.4 last year league average is close to that so he's not too far off the issue still is those ground balls 48 percent ground ball rate that's not gonna do him any favors he is pulling the ball 44 percent of the time but when you're hitting the ball 48% of the time on the ground, Torkelson's not going to be able to make that hard hit rate translate into power. The contacts are fine. The swing strike rate is fine. He is chasing. He's a little more aggressive right now, so that's hurting him. Probably leading to some of those a lot of that ground ball stuff. But what I want to look up real quick, and I actually want to do this with you because people do ask me all the time how, where I get this information. So those who are familiar, I'm looking up his pulled uh, fly balls to see if it's gone up. So right now, if you look at his pull rate, 72.7% are ground balls. He's only pulling 9.1% of his fly balls. That's another issue. You can't generate power if you're not pulling the ball in the air. He has an 18.2% pulled line drive rate. That will help the that will, line drive is just going to help batting average. And he, he's he's whatever there. But if you want power, it's not going to have, it won't come for Torkelson with a 72.7% pulled ground ball rate and a 9.1% pulled fly ball rate. And if you look at last year, I think that was part of his issue as well. Shout out to Ryan Venancio. For that one, uh, he's always been big on this stuff and kind of made me finally start. I started introducing it to my uh, analysis more last year or 
yeah, last year, I believe it was because of how much he was like, he would always home, uh, really, really point that out. And I was like, that's a really good thing to look at for this type of stuff. And last year we saw the same issue for Torque. He also had a 60.4% ground ball rate in 2022, pulled ground ball rate. Yes. 60.4%. And then a 18.9 pulled five ball rate. That's again, the power, especially in that park, you need to pull those five balls and he's not doing that. That's the issue for Torque. So you can hit the ball as hard as you want, but when you're hitting it on the ground as much as he is, nothing good is going to come from that. The next guy we're going to talk about is Anthony Volpe because he's a hot topic or was. The strikeouts, you see AAA, we talked about this. He had a huge spring Volpe did. The issue being, my concern was like, okay, cool. He's hitting minor league pitching on a, on a daily basis. It's pretty simple to do. Peraza got injured in the minors, so his leash is gonna be a little longer up here. But he's still uh, Volpe's still walking at a thirteen point eight percent clip, so we know the walk rate, and it's, he's always been a double digit walk guy outside that very small sample in AAA last year. So the walks are legit. That K rate is an issue, and it's not like he's you know his bad bips two sixty seven. That's almost what he deserves to have right now, considering the con the lack of contact. The one sixty batting average is un is undesirable. He, he has three stolen bases. We know he'd run. He runs at will, and he's really good. He's three He's three for three. But getting on base is an issue. When your OBP is 276, you're batting ninth. You are not going to move up the lineup. Only he has zero barrels on the year, three hard hits, 20% hard hit rate, basically. Not ideal either there. Um, the, the ground ball rate's fine. He's actually he's almost like two extreme of a fly ball hitter right now. 46.7% of his balls are fly balls. But he's barely pulling the ball. So those five balls are probably going to be fly outs and the bad is going to be low when you have that much of a, when you're on, when you're sitting there doing that, that, uh, that often. So yeah, Volpe is very, very uh, early on. Interesting. But this is also something I noticed with him, his uh, swing and strike rate for Volpe, 14.2% compared to 11.4% being league average above average, uh, 35 and 35% roughly of the O swing 31.8 is league average right now. So he's a little more aggressive chasing, there's some swing and miss, and he's making below average contact across the board. Overall contact, 70.7% with a 75.4% league average contact rate. This is Anthony Volpe we are discussing. And, yeah, so the skills are there. We know the talent's there. It's just a matter of adjusting, and he's going through an adjustment period. A couple guys just to pay attention when it comes to uh, playing time. I don't really have uh, – we're actually going to pull this up shortly here to the uh, – we're going to talk about some playing time stuff, so let's pull that up for – for the uh, lineups for today and discuss some stuff that might have been noticeable last few sh uh, shifts. I'm all thinking about work last few days, but uh, playing time risers right now. Franchi Cordero has been playing. I think he started three of four. We have to double check to see if he starts today. Did he start yesterday? See, I didn't look at lineups yesterday. I think he started three or four heading into yesterday. Did he start again yesterday? No. Okay. So he's three of five. So it's kind of, oh, it's a lefty though. So we're looking at platoon here, possibly for probably looking at platoon here for, for stream yard. Geez, for Franchi. He's a streamer. He's a very deep league streamer. But yeah, so this guy just watched his playing time. Ryan Noda, another guy, big power upside, moved up in the lineup the last couple of times. But a guy that it's home run or bust type of thing for him. Very poor man's Derek Hall. I think like that's what I'm thinking of. Noda, Noda's like a Derek Hall esque type. You have uh, Adam Frazier, who's been decent. He's obviously platooning strong side though. Ramon Urias gets a lot of has been starting a lot, and he should play. He'll probably start today because he usually starts against lefties. Has been playing against righties. He's been getting more run. Like Kyle Stowers hasn't been relevant. Uh, guys like that. Uh, Taron Vavra hasn't been very relevant. And then you have Jason Vossler. Vossler is going to play against righties, but I think uh, let's look up. Let's look up. I think Votto's due back early next week is part of the thing too. So that's why with him, it's kind of like a, 
it's kind of like uh like i don't know i gotta find it it's gonna this is gonna make it let's pull up Votto with uh with vossler it's we're waiting to see how Votto returns if Votto returns for the home stand which i thought i read pulling it up right now he's i know he's in he's in on rehabs uh he's not expected to be okay so he's not expected to be this was april 4th or april 9th so Votto's close my point being i don't know exact date i don't see an exact date we are talking uh so with Votto, he vossler might have one more week of relevance give or take and on top of that, they mentioned wanting to get him in to like other spots and like other doing other things as well. So as long so if he's able to kind of push his way around the playing time, Bossler could still remain relevant against righties. So a deeper league stream. Got a couple questions here. Varsho Jung for Stanton Bregman. Would you take the deal? Um in a five by five format, I'm it depends. I really like Varsho as a catcher. If it's a one catcher league, probably sticking with Stanton it feels I think Stanton Bregman's the safer combo Bregman being the the just the solid safe guy Stanton having the big time upside and power Jung being kind of a clear tier below them Jung you know we let's talk about Jung Jung's a guy I actually really wanted to talk about because I have a lot of Jung but I'm not overly optimistic on him on um, from the early outlooks he's been a little bit of a of a lucky guy luckier guy early on again very early former top prospect the strikeouts were never an issue before that shoulder injury and in triple a i'm not really counting 2022 at all because again that's coming off the shoulder but he's always been such a solid um jung's always been such a solid plate discipline guy so now these plate disciplines are really weird however 316 bat sustainable 267 batting average it's tough with a two a 28 strikeout rate to hit for the good batting average like that but Jung early on, I do like what I'm seeing. It's just one of those things where I expected better with the strikeouts. And the strikeouts stay around 28%. He's not going to hit 267. He doesn't have the speed to kind of bat his way into a good batting average. But Jung himself, there was other things too. What I did, what was encouraging, you saw you see him, he's elevating the ball plenty. That's huge. Elevating the ball, only 33% ground ball rate. So the line drive rate, I don't it's not gonna stay 42%. But you know, if you can keep this low, the ground ball rate low for Jung, or it's Young, I believe it's Josh Young. Josh Young, uh, if he keeps the ground ball rate low, you're going to get you can that can help carry some of that batting average and Babbitt skill that we saw, even with the strikeout rates being low, strikeout rates being high. So Young being a guy that you just have to monitor how he's doing. But the fact that like you're looking at some of the stuff here and it's just it's alarming. A 17.2% swinging strike rate. Again, league average being 11.4. The contact rates are below average, but. A lot of that is because he's not making a lot of contact on pitches outside of the zone. His end zone contact rate, although below average, is still decent. Like it's 79.4%. It's not awful, but it's less than desirable considering that if you're not making enough contact, if, if you can't even hit the balls in the zone regularly, there's just there's so much swing and miss potential there. I'm afraid that there's a floor that's just going to bottom out. So although this was an impromptu breakdown, Josh Low or Josh, uh, sorry, Josh Young. It's one of those things where it goes back to the original question. I'm probably going to stick with Stanton and Bregman for now, but I really like the idea of our show. Oscar Gonzalez, he's been a guy that's just been having a bad year. He's just off to a rough start. Let's look him up, though, because why not? This is what I do. Oscar Gonzalez, Joshua. For, uh, thank you for asking about Oscar Gonzalez. So let's go up Oscar. Oscar Gonzalez, kind of doing the same things last year. Very low walk guy, big time, uh, low strikeouts. Very little Babbitt right now, and I bet you there's going to be a lot of ground balls in the process. Uh, obviously, the same the hard hit data is just as bad as it was last year. He wasn't a big barrel guy. He wasn't a big hard hit guy. Uh, Gonzalez, 50% ground ball rates again, exactly, but he's pulling the ball a lot less. So hitting the ball to center field, if he's hitting the ball to center field 50% of the time right now, and they're mostly in the air, there's a, and it's mostly fly balls, not line drives, there's a lot of flyouts there probably happening, which, again, can help the Babbitt, explain the Babbitt. 
Now the ground balls up the middle should be going through a little more often this year, but if he's not hitting them hard, defenders can play right by the right by the base and probably scoop up a lot of those ground balls anyway. So it's not like he's exactly benefiting from any type of shift change. And he's doing his usual thing. A lot of chases, a lot of O contact. Not, I'm not saying a lot of O contact, but it's definitely above average O contact. And that's going to lead to weak contact. It's going to lead to weak, weaker hits. It's not going to, it's not going to help. And the fact that his, you're seeing a big spike early, again, very early. We can't act. We can't act like we can't sit here and take these numbers and be like, this is what it is for the whole year. I just want to explain where we're at right now, a week and a half or a week or so, a little over a week into the season and what you're seeing early on and what, what, what's, what's, what's explaining that production is what I'm getting at. So when you get these, uh, so when I'm giving you these numbers, kind of take them with a grain of salt, but kind of, again, it's about making notes, monitoring it as we move forward. But this is what's going on right now. I'm giving you a snapshot of the present so we can try to get a look forward. And try to get an idea of if things don't change, this is what led to that, you know. But if things do change, he obviously corrected this. Kind of where we're going with these, and and that's gonna do for these names. Uh, James Outman. Oh, the James Outman legit. Let's talk about James Outman. Look at that. See, this is why I like doing the YouTube show for those listening on the podcast. YouTube.com/slash at GT Fantasy because I get questions and I ask them. So Outman, there is there is some legitimacy to it, but there is some uh, fool's gold here. That 35.5% strikeout rate, very in line. I mean, it's very high, but there's a lot of that in his profile. He's always been a high walk guy, too, so he's very patient. He's choosing his pitches, and he's making pitchers pay, I think is what it is, and good for him. I do think he's prone to streakiness considering that strikeout concerns, but we're talking about sixty, almost 60% of the balls. Almost 60% of the time, he ends up with a, with a walk or a strikeout. So that's pretty absurd, or even early on, it's pretty pretty. Uh, funny but uh yeah you can see his profile for james outman always a high strikeout guy always a big power guy what we're seeing is that now the 556 babbit not going to sustain 348 batting average not going to sustain however he does a lot of things you like to see he keeps the ball off the ground 41.7 percent ground ball rate not bad pulling the ball 58.3 percent of the time really really again he is going to get you that power production that power is legitimate uh let's look at that pulled fly ball rate because why not Pull fly balls, we have a uh, 42.9% of the time. That's a really strong pull fly ball rake, all things considered. Like, he's going to get you the power. That's that's great. You know that's coming. He could hit 30 home runs easy. The problem is that batting average can also end up being 230. So enjoy it while it's there, the batting average. But the the power, the playing time, it's all in his favor. He barrels, you know, 20, 25% barrel rate. Again, three barrels on and it, the hard hits have been there. But it makes sense considering his approach and how Outman has been doing this. So James Outman, he he's gonna he now this is intriguing because again I told you he's seen the ball well he's, he's picking his spots it makes sense because when you look at his uh his he is a twenty point nine percent uh O swing you saw the the what the twenty five percent walk rate that's legit he has a very patient approach and some of the strikeout rates aren't even necessarily a swing and miss issue which we have seen again a nineteen percent swing strike rate uh, last year fifteen percent up in the minors but a lot of times. It's been, it's a, it's been a passivity issue more than a swinging and missing. So those types of guys are fine. James Outman having that type of strikeout rate because of passivity compared to swing and miss is fine. He's going to, the issue is, is sometimes major league players take advantage of that pitchers, I should say. And look like Josh Lowe being a guy that overly passive, Nate Lowe for years, overly passive. And those guys were getting, not having a great time adapting to major league pitching because the lack of aggression, pitchers kind of took advantage of that and figured them out. So James Outman needs to make sure he doesn't get figured out because the strikeout rate, although alarming, although will keep the ceiling low for Outman, I'm really encouraged that it's not a swing and miss issue for Outman. Uh, now, if you're asking me, James Outman, 
versus Kelnick. Those are two different um, things. Kelnick has turned it around a little bit. Both are kind of in platoons. I know Outman ha- isn't in a strict one. He did start against a lefty the other day. But Kelnick, I think all things considered, the ceiling for Kelnick is higher because he has a similar profile in terms of power potential. But as you can see, he has two stolen bases. He's two for two on the year. That's the difference. I think there's a little more ceiling there because of the stolen bases, but I think they're pretty much equal playing field. I like Outman's power potential a little more. I do I do think Kelnick has a very similar power ceiling, but there could be a little bit give here because obviously still striking out too much, but you're seeing him take more pitches inside out, trying to really create a trying to really create like just be a better hitter. I think he's focusing on making contact more. So if you're looking right now, I think James Outman gets the edge just because we're seeing his again, his strikeouts being more of a passivity thing. I'm almost I can almost guarantee it. It's gonna with Kelnick, it's gonna be the opposite. With Kelnick, it's gonna be a swing and miss issue. With uh with him, it's always been that. Maybe I'm wrong this year. I am wrong this year so far. Wow. I was wrong. I'm glad that's why that's why we look things up on the fly here. Um, so uh Right now, so Kelnick's actually making above average uh, overall contact, above average contact. He's making uh, Kelnick has 9.9% swinging strike rate, two is about one and a half percent better than league average. Or, sorry, yeah, yeah about one and a half percent, give or take. It's actually one and a half percent, exactly. Um, so, Kelnick's a interesting case. The strikeouts don't make sense to me now. I'm trying to think why the strikeouts because he's making good contact, he's not chasing, he's, there's no swing and miss. The chase rate's right in line with league average. The O contact is above average. The Z contact is above average. The overall contact is above average. I'm trying to find where the, uh, the called strikes. There it is. He has So maybe there's a little bit there because uh, his called strike rate is about 1.6% above league average right now. And maybe that's where he's getting. Maybe he's getting hung up on two strikes. I bet you we, if we look, it's a whole other process to look up a two strike count situation. But uh, you know what? No, it's not. Uh, it's kind of we can go to splits here and they'll have some on the fly here. But here we go. So uh, let's go advanced here. So advanced. So two strike counts are down here. <laughs> Look, there you go. Two strike counts just getting rung up. 60%, 50% of the time are worse than every type of two strike count there is, even the three two counts. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's a maybe a batted ball here. I don't, not, I'm not going to have, I'd have to pull up the other stats to be able to see if it's just like a called strike issue or not. But yeah, he's his two strike, uh, his two strike counts, he's getting rung up on over 50% of the time across the board, no matter what type of two strike count it is. That was a quick look at it though. So uh, everyone else, no, oh, will Santander find his power? It was the question. Uh, let's see what's going on with Santander. Why not? I'm pretty sure he'll be fine. I have no issue. It's again, we're talking a week and a half in the season. If you like the guy to start the year, you should like a guy this point of the year, too. There's no, I mean, maybe, maybe you bench him because look, very uncharacteristically, you have Santander striking out 30% of the time. He's never struck out more than 25% of the time. And the last time he did that, sorry, he struck out, <laughs> it was a 13 game play up appearance in 2017, and he had a 25.8% strikeout rate. This is just fluky, bad run right now for Santander, in my opinion, with the strikeouts. And I'm a Santander guy. I don't have a lot of shares of him. Somebody was always higher than him. But yeah, he's not like he's not hitting the ball as hard as usual. He's not barreling like usual. He's going to come around. The hard hit rate, he's, it's almost, but the hard hit rate is actually higher than usual. So it's, maybe he's pressing a little bit. Santander's having some issues there because the ground ball rate's in line with usual. He is pulling the ball a ton. Yeah, I think I think he's just pressing. He wants to get off to a better start. He's probably realizing he's off to a slow start, trying a little hard there. The hard, the overall hard percentage is also up. Hard percentage being uh, for those uh, percentage of balls in play that were classified as hit with a hard speed. Uh, it's a little different than uh, base. It's a little different than Savant's hard hit metric. But point is, is he's hitting the ball hard no matter what. He is pulling a ton, and he, that's. I think there's just an issue there. I think he's pressing. I think he's just. It looks like he's pressing from the numbers. Uh, in my opinion, again, this is my opinion. I don't want you to take this and run with it as 
as you know, we're saying again, we're seeing some of the numbers. It does back up my opinion, but I always stress my opinion. Yeah, there's some swing and miss in his game that's unusual. He doesn't usually swing and miss this much. He's chasing again, goes back to chasing. He's swing. He has like a 9% swing rate above league average. His chase rate is like 15% above league average and about 10% greater than it's been the last two years. Yeah. So again, we're just keep, we keep going into this. I keep saying there's more and more. You go, oh, the rabbit hole is deep with every player. Every player will take you down a different direction. If you haven't noticed, I kind of have the same approach when it comes to my analysis to every player. However, it gets with every player. This will, this will take me to baseball savant, do some like, Corey's there i'll go to game logs and look up more in depth but and that takes more planning i don't want to do that on the fly on a uh on a pot it'll get real real stale real quick on this on this podcast slash live stream let's talk about a couple deep we're talking the deepest of deep league streamers here guys i just realized going through the because uh, you know i'm gonna plug this for the patreon patreon.com slash gt fantasy it's for the mvp and the uh and the and the hall of fame tiers this is new we have it automated every week. This will go up every Thursday. It'll be updated for the second part of the week. And I, these notes are, ma- I, I manually write the notes, but we go to, to every team has all the lefty righty stuff. And then I have the posing SP stats, which you can see here. So if like right now, for instance, if you want to see, okay, cool. You have three lefties and three lefties and righty early for, ba- for Baltimore next week. So like right here, do you not necessarily see, you're not sitting Mullins, but you get my point. Mullins is probably going to bat lower in the lineup. Ramon Urias becomes very intriguing. Oh, look at these these matchups. You can kind of just tell because it's the freaking A's that um that it's a good matchup. But if you want to see the numbers behind it, you go here and look at this stuff plus pitching metrics, K minus walk rate. This is on the Patreon for those watching. So right now, Ramon Urias made this list, and this is why you can see very favorable matchups early in the week. And then later in the week, I think he gets another lefty, and he still plays against righties. He's not a complete trick platoon guy. It's Ramon Urias, deep league guy. And that's why I wanted to mention him. I'm not going to show everything here because, again, this is this is a one-time thing. Uh, this is locked, actually, anyway, for those trying to access it. It's, locked, it's for the Patreons only. But I am showing it here on the stream because I think it ha- it's very valuable information. This is where I get my streamer information from, so I'm giving you a handful of names. Deep Leaguers, uh, we talked about uh, J.D. Davis because they play four out of six against lefties. Davis hitting a ton of home runs right now. Uh, the Giants are in general t- a ton of home runs. Bryce Johnson's another name. Wilmer Flores, those guys, again, deeper leagues. Another name to look at is uh, Sheets. Here we go right here because Sheets, there's six righties. Sheets being the lefty, DHing against righties. Six games, not bad. And he's on the screen already, so we'll scroll down there to their matchups. Not the best matchups, unfortunately. But if you're looking for plate appearances, power potential, it's there. Just but again, these are also very early starts, very early pitching stuff. Pitchers are going to fluctuate. You're still, I mean, are you really fading them because Kent Maeda, Tyler Wells, Kyle get Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Gibson, Grayson Rodriguez, still a rookie. Yeah, he figured it out. The, st- the stuff and location plus, I don't know why it's blue. I gotta figure, gotta get that reformatted, but um, that stuff's looking good. The, the overall stuff looks good, but it's one start. He's still a rookie. Hitters will adapt, he's got to adapt. But my point is, those. It's it's a it's a tough matchup. So it's one of those things again. Where that's why we're talking about deeper formats. And we'll go back to Boston because Ref Snyder, Rob Ref Snyder, who uh, he's a guy that should play six of seven next week if they are holding true to the platoon. Because if you look, they have six matchups against lefties. You are sitting Tristan Cassis and you are starting Rob Ref Snyder in the deepest of formats. Adam Duval. This is Duval time. He should play uh, rather well. He should get plenty of run. He's been playing well. He should get plenty of run against lefties. That's his strength. And but Ref Snyder, just again, just a funny like maybe a DFS name, maybe a guy if you're an AL only. He's gonna he could play six or seven games next week. And 
the matchups aren't the best with you know having having face McClanahan Springs, but then he gets to face Anderson. Sandoval is hit or miss. Detmers is good, but he's hit or miss still. I know people love him, but it is what it is. He could be hit or miss. And then Josh Fleming, that's just a great way to start your week. That's the first matchup of the week. So it's a guy that I really uh a guy really just very again, very sneaky, not a huge, huge fan. Now let's look at some of today's lineups. I guess we can do this. Uh, share this tab instead. Here we go. Okay, we're gonna finish off, finish off strong. I'll answer any more questions I get along the way, but we're gonna just talk about some playing time stuff. So we talked about Bossler. His playing time is probably likely to come and go as Votto does, but then Will Benson's probably an odd man out if they want to get Bossler in the outfield, which I think he's. Let's look that up if he's played outfield in the past. I thought he did. Let's. Uh, this is I know real compelling content. Holidays and Bossler because I know they just mentioned they mentioned getting him in the outfield or mentioning playing him in other parts of the field because I think they want to keep his bat in lineup and he's running real hot right now. So in the past he has played. Where's that defense at? He has played second base, third base, shortstop, left field, right field, and this is recent too. Twenty as recent as 2021. First base, second base, third base, shortstop, which I wouldn't expect that. Um, left field, right field. Yeah, so Vossler has played plenty of positions in the majors of late. He's a guy that could just keep getting run in the meantime. You have, let's see, Turner. I'm just seeing his name. Oh, Alec Bohm, first base again. We're talking eligibility here. Bohm's about to get it. Sosa versus righty. He becomes interesting. He's a guy that I've been watching playing time. Now that they are literally scraping the bottom of the barrel here for playing time, they called up Cody Clemens and started Clemens over Sosa. But Sosa, a very strong spring. A very intriguing deeper league option, fab option guy, maybe a five to ten dollar guy, if that. Um, and that's just speculating on the playing time being there for him. Jake Cave is playing every day against righties. This Phillies lineup gotten real bad in a hurry. Harper needs to hurry up and return. <laughs> they need health in a big way. Losing Hoskins, Harper. Not that Hall is anything special, but um, we talked about this one. Carpenter against righties for sure. But do got called up. See, this is why I, I was much like Veerling. I mean, I should mention this at the beginning of the show. Badu, if you're still listening from the beginning, Badu could eat into that playing time against righties. Obviously, he's already in again, over and leading off. Surprisingly, not like he he had a terrible spring. hasn't really showed much outside that rookie year. And Badu, I'm not intrigued by him. I mean, I guess he'll play as long as Meadows is out. But I'm surprised that he's playing over Veerling. And so we'll see. Watch that because I guess Veerling isn't as safe as I thought he would be. Temper your expectations, I guess, as long as Badu's in the picture. Um, here we go with this. Uh, the A's next week. Tony Kemp is a very deep league consideration. Oh, Ryan Noda was also on my list of streamers. I forgot to mention just because Noda's playing pretty much every day against righties, and he was batting as high as second at times, but right now he's batting fifth today. Ryan Noda, power or bust type. If you look up his numbers, it's like it reminds you of James Outman in the minors. He guy had like a ton of home runs, walked a ton, but he actually has more swing and miss in his game. If memory serves, I know in spring he had like like a 50% strikeout rate. It was stupid how high his strikeouts were in spring. And it's one of those things where he's never played in the majors before, so I'm expecting pitchers to figure him out. So Ryan Noda, deep league, power upside, but just know it could come with like a 220, 230 batting average in the process. We have the Rays against righty, and Margot is back in center field. So Margot is the early winner of playing time, and Paredes is going to play as long as he hits. That is a fact. Paredes, we saw it last year. They like him against lefties. He will definitely play against lefties. Early on in the year, he started off one for three against righties. He only played one, he only started one game against righties in the first three, but they are letting him run with the hot bat as they should. Paredes is in at third base to start the day for today as well, and he should play just about every day 
against righties. He will get the occasional day off against tougher righties. I'm sure. I'm sure. But as long as he's hitting, he will play. T Taylor Walls was factoring in more than he probably should have. Luke Rayleigh is playing every day against righties as well. So if you are a Luke Rayleigh, if you are in a deeper league, he was another guy that kind of fits that streamer mold because let me look it up real quick. I will look up the information next week. They get five out of state, seven games, five of which against righties. And if you look up the opposing starting pitchers, they're facing. I got to update the number. Oh, Whitlock hasn't pitched yet. Pavetta, although Pavetta's stuff looks good early on. Stuff plus was 119, really good grade. Overall pitching plus 106. Pavetta is Pavetta. <laughs> He's prone to the long ball and prone to upsetting everyone at any given moment. Then you have Kluber, Barrios, Manoa, all of which have been subpar to this point. He gets a very strong matchup. I need to start giving matchup grades. Maybe that's all I'll do. I'll start adding matchup grades to that. Anyway, so Luke Rayleigh is a name to know heading into next week. And Margot's playing time has trended up with Siri on the IL. He is the biggest winner, he, no doubt. White Sox, we talked about Gavin Sheets against another righty. Honestly, today is like a prop bet day. Oviedo looked awful last outing. Oviedo could easily be hit again, hit up again. Uh, Gavin Sheets could be a sneaky, like, total base guy because he's batting fifth. Maybe maybe hits plus runs plus RBI guy if that's up in underdog. I didn't see it. I think I was looking for it in underdog. Did not see that to be the case. You see Colos working his way up against righties in the lineup, but this is without Eloy in there. Eloy would be batting in the middle here, pushing everyone down one. Uh, Rami, I think it's Rami. Romy Gonzalez, always, uh, he does, he usually bats, he usually plays more of a weak side platoon. Wouldn't really worry about him too much. Oh, Mullins is leading off against a lefty. Maybe he will still lead off against lefties. Either way, Urias in the lineup against lefties. I think we mentioned that already. Mateo staying hot. Yeah, McCann's back. But obviously, that's not going to matter. Rushman is the guy. McCann's just going to factor in. If you are desperate for playing time, McCann will be a weak side catching option throughout any given week. This team is a mess right now. Matt Walner, if you want Joey Gallo 2.0, Matt Walner's Matt Walner is kind of that type of guy. He is a lefty. They have a pretty righty. I think they play six righties next week. Those twins do. It's up there. It's a, it's a large number. So if you're looking for another deep league flyer, Walner will be a good name to think about. And uh, you have Nick Gordon also playing every day, but I feel like that, like, we'll see <laughs> that that fluctuates with farmer in the picture. If farmer starts, Gordon is safe. If the team is healthy, farmer Gordon is no longer safe because we saw the, how they were treating the two of them. It was a weird thing that they were, they were platooning them, which I guess makes sense. Oh, lefty righty, all that, but they were platooning them. So Walner Gallo-esque 2.0, very, very cheap power. Uh, Kepler's on the IL. So he'll miss next week with a very heavy, uh, righty matchup so it's more of a short-term thing for walner more than likely larnick obviously batting seconds great to see uh he's batting top four pretty much every day and should continue to again with these piling up of injuries we can talk i'm trying to think what else there are other talking points that were for lineups we have no more questions so if i can talk if i can find one more talk couple more talking points we're gonna head out of here before sunday games start the braves Obviously, the IL stint for Darno Murphy already played two of played two straight heading into yesterday's game, so people are already freaking out because of the lefty matchups. They, he was he just happened to play every other day, and they probably planned it like, okay, he's gonna play every other day. He hits better against lefties. They're easing him in. He started back to back games at catcher um, heading into yesterday. He's probably now obviously the playing time will trend up. I think they want to see what they have in Ozuna and Darno. I think Darno is gonna be better served as a DH with with Ozuna and Eddie Rosario just just not being good. Uh, so uh, Rosario has been serviceable, but Ozuna has been awful. I could see uh, Murphy's going to be fine is what I'm getting at. All this worry about Murphy, don't have it. I, I it's, it's way too early. Now, 10, 12-team league, sure, you could drop him, I'm sure. Yeah. He was fringe in there anyway. He was barely a top 10. He was a top 10-ish guy anyway in those formats, So or in general. So like, like Logan O'Hoppy, wouldn't you rather just take the shot on him at that point? You have the... The Angels, uh, I'm trying to think anything. Oh, this is a mess. The Royals are a mess. I don't like the Royals at all. They have so many 
they have so many uh, just frustrating situations that they it's like Ed, Edward Olivares plays against some righties versus uh versus all lefties, Framel versus lefties, Kyle Espel's an everyday guy, Drew Waters comes back that can be will that mess up Espel's playing time or will that factor into Edward uh, Olivares is playing time? That's where you start questioning that. So when Steve Fisher asked about uh call call uh for, so Alex call from the Nationals, he's leading off against righties right now. I don't know how long it's going to sustain because they did have Luis Garcia, but Luis Garcia is dealing with a hamstring issue. Luis Garcia was leading off against righties, not doing so well. So Alex Call got the next shot, and he—I don't really—I haven't really paid too much attention the last couple of days. Again, this—it's this, a cores series right now, so anything that happens in this series against cores pitching in cores, I'm not really taking anything from it. But Alex Call in general has playing time. He's been a guy featured on the show, I think, three the last two or three episodes as a deep league streamer, as a deep league option, and he continues to be just that. He's not mixed league relevant in terms of like 12s and shallower still a 15 team guy or a fifth outfielder depending on matchups he does platoon. he was a platoon partner to dickerson so i think they actually get some lefties let me look it up i think he gets lefties next week some some decent lefties next week uh washington gets where are you washington they get no no oh yeah so he early in the week alex call he'll play every day most likely but alex call will get two out of three being lefties early in the week two of them being jose suarez and tucker davidson not the worst matchups, I would say, all things considered. So, like, he's more of a Monday through Thursday stream, I would say. Because, well, actually, no. Then this is this is where it got interesting for him. Because uh, the back end of the the Cleveland rotation, you don't have to be a great hitter or to to hit them. Cal Quantrill and Zach Plesac are also who he faces later in the week. So you're getting Alex Call versus two weak lefties, two weak righties. There's a Shane Bieber and a, and a Shohei Otani mixed in there. So just keep that in mind. But we're talking about four pretty solid matchups, all things considered. And that's that's Alex Call. The Brewers, platoons, you know what to do there. Texas, Cubs. I think that's pretty much uh, this outfield situation for Miami still a mess. Tweeted about it yesterday. He pretty much can't start Brian De La Cruz or Jesus Sanchez. Neither one of them are playing regularly, regu- regularly enough. The Giants, platoon heavy. And again, they're going into a big lefty matchup. We talked about their guys for streams. Corbin Carroll should be leading off. I don't know why he's not, but we'll see if that <laughs> we'll see if he can work his way up. They really like uh, Rojas there. That's probably going to do it. I appreciate those who hung out. This was actually longer than I expected. I'm going to put it up on, as a podcast for those who tuned in late. So just check me out on Twitter. You'll find it all there. Again, youtube.com slash at GT Fantasy. Subscribe. Hey, uh, if you aren't listening on a podcast, rate and review is greatly appreciated. And until next time, I'm Mike with GT Fantasy, and we'll talk soon.